Hey, good morning, church family. Let's pray together. Father, we are so thankful to you for what we've just sung about who Jesus is. Thank you that he is the treasure of greatest price. Father, we pray that that would be our understanding of who he is, and that's how we, that's how we would be living our life are living our lives, that we'd be living in light of him being the thing which we love most and highest and greatest, that he has first place. And Father, as we turn to your word, Father, we long that you would do a work within us by your spirit to transform us and to change us and to help us increasingly live out that reality that he is the one we prize as the highest treasure of who we are. So Father, we pray you would help us in these things, help us in these moments, help us as we open your word together, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, hopefully you've still got your Bible open. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3, uh, that great prayer and, uh, of Paul for the church in Ephesus, that great prayer we find in God's Word, and which is immediately applicable for us today. We believe God is, God's Word is something transforming to say to you uh, this morning as we open it. And so um, hopefully you have your Bible open. That's, uh, the, that's the posture we would love for you to have every Sunday as we gather together. Bibles open, ready to, to read what God's Word says and to apply it to our lives. Um, hopefully you've got a notepad and pen maybe just even to take some notes of things that you're going to try and remember over the course of the week. We would uh, love it if you would uh, do that. We're, we're carrying on our series, Gospel People. Uh, last week we thought about gospel content. Uh, we, we thought about how we have this, the, how the gospel defines us without Jesus, before Jesus, apart from Jesus' death on the cross for us, about how we are spiritually dead, scarred by disobedience uh, with, a, with a somber destiny. That, that kind of sense of uh, being far from God, but how he has, through the gospel, when we trust in Jesus and his death and the cross for us, that we are loved and we are helped and we are free and we are given purpose. And and as we move today to think, move from gospel content to gospel care, uh, we're going to think this morning about the role that we have in one another's lives to help us navigate away from the tendency we have to be drawn back to the things of of death and disobedience and despair, uh, which are to do with the sinful way of life and rather to live out the realities that we are loved, we are helped, we are free and and to live out that purpose that we've been given uh, by Jesus. So that's really what we're going to think about around about that whole idea of gospel care. And and when we talk about gospel care, uh, when we talk about gospel care, we're talking about uh, discipleship. Uh, Really, that's that's essentially what we're talking about. We're talking about making disciples of Jesus Christ. It's fulfilling the, the, the great commission that we've been given as the church. So when we gospel care for one another, it is that we long for the people who are sat around about us in the living room, for the people who are here joy, joyously <coughs> sat in front of me um, this morning in the church building, and we have the opportunity to care for one another, to disciple one another by helping one another leave behind the things of death and disobedience and move towards the things of love, help, freedom, and purpose uh, that Jesus has for us. So, uh, so this morning we're going to be a bit more. We're going to be pretty practical. We've got four ways, four things that this prayer that Paul makes for the church in Ephesus, four ways that it directs us and helps us to have those conversations, four, if you like, headlines or a little cheat sheet of things which we ought to have in place for, um, or we get to have in place for those kind of conversations and and those kind of relationships as we seek uh, to spur one another on in our walks with the Lord. The reality is, and this is for the gospel uh, diagnosis of spiritual death and being scarred by disobedience, uh, moving towards being loved, helped, free, and given purpose, what we see is, although we've been redefined eternally, 
We still have an everyday fragility towards those things of the way we used to live before Jesus stepped in and intervened in our lives. We, well, we, we've been redefined eternally, but we still have an everyday fragility. I, I wonder, do you feel that as you're sat there? You still feel the temptation. You still feel the wrestle with sin. You still feel the doubt and despair. You still find yourself being drawn back towards those things. And so the water walk with God is a team game. Okay, we get to, we're in this together. We, we are called, we are encouraged to invest in one another and to, to, to help one another to, 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 to move away from their former way of life and to pursue the things which are to do with the eternal promises of God and the identity that he's given us and his son. So here's the cheat sheet. Number, thing number one on your cheat sheet is this. Uh, four, so four things we need to be talking about if we are gospel caring for one another. Number one is this, posture of prayer. Okay, having a posture of prayer, that's the first thing. Okay, so even if you just want to write down posture, okay, there's going to be four Ps for you. Okay, you know, you know I like that kind of thing, okay? So posture of prayer. <clears throat> we need to talk with one another about our desperate need for a posture of prayer. We, we, are, we are given the opportunity through Jesus' transforming power to have lives that are marked by prayer. We get to approach God to find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. That's what we get. And so we need to talk with one another. It needs to be part of our conversation about our desperate need for a posture of prayer. Uh, Paul's care for the Ephesian church moved him to prayer. That's what we see here. He, he basically jumps straight to prayer in the midst of what he's talking about. He said, man, I need, it's like he's saying, man, I just need to pray about this for this reason. Because of all this stuff, I, let, let me just pray for you right here, right now. And what a blessing it is when we have people in our lives who are willing to do just that for us. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and behalf, uh, sorry, for this reason, wrong for this reason, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from, him, from whom every family and in heaven and on earth is named. He's moved to prayer. And, that, and that's where care should start for us. If we care for, if we want to gospel care for the people around about us, if we want to gospel care for the people who, are, who God has placed in our lives, that prayer is where it should start. We might even say this, that there's no care without prayer. Okay, we might even say that. That if we really care for someone, then the way we, the chief and primary way we would express that is by bringing them to, to the Lord in prayer. I, I do some football coaching uh, during the week with, uh, with, with uh, Matthew and Katie's football team. Matthew and Katie are my eldest two kids, and we, we do some, I do some football coaching with them, and it's, it's terrific fun to be able to kind of spend time and see this team develop. Um, and in some ways, part of the reason I got into coaching their team was because I would, watch, I would take them to coaching, and I would get a little bit frustrated about what I was seeing going on, because really it was just go and play, go and play, without, without any kind of coaching. It was now, there's a lot to be said for just going and run, running around and playing football, but it doesn't necessarily grow you as a footballer. And what I reckon about coaching is the best coaching interrupts a session in order to redirect or reinforce. The best coaching interrupts the game in order to redirect or reinforce. So you'll have the kids playing, and then you'll say, okay, everyone stop where you are. Let's just look at where we are. Let's look at what's happening. In order to say, that's really well done, or maybe you would think about doing it a little bit differently and maybe you move people around or you encourage people to think about what they might do in that situation. And the best gospel care does exactly the same thing. It is willing to interrupt someone's life in order to redirect or reinforce, to, to redirect someone in, 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 when they're drifting, when we see them drifting back towards the things that are marked by our former identity apart from Jesus. 
Or better, when we take the opportunity as well to reinforce the love and the help and the freedom and the purpose that they've been given in Jesus. Are we, the gospel care is willing to interrupt life in order to re- redirect or reinforce. And, 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 and the best care of all allows prayer to be the thing that interrupts. Hey, let me just pray for you a minute. Let me just pray for you for a moment. And that's what's happening here in Ephesians chapter 3. Prayer, prayer redirects and reinforces the reign and relationship that God offers us. More we care best for folks when we model to them and seek to move them to see that the best place for them to be is in a posture or a place of prayer, in a posture or place of relationship with God, which is what prayer really is. So whoever it is that we are called to gospel care for, or whoever it is that God has placed in your life, and, and if God has placed them in your life, then you are, whether you have realized that or not before this morning, you are called to gospel care for them. If you're going to gospel care for them, they, then they need reminded of two things, two things and, and, and these are two things we get to be constantly encouraging them to see their life through the lens of. It's that gospel care best for someone when I direct them to the lordship and the love of Jesus. I gospel care best when I direct them to the lordship and love of Jesus. And prayer is something that paints these twin realities. And maybe just to put it as simply as possible, the two things we get to gospel care for people by reinforcing is this. Jesus reigns and Jesus is right there for them. Jesus reigns, he is Lord, and he is right there for them. He loves them. And that's what we see here. For this reason, I, Paul, sorry, I did it again. For this reason, I'm going to cover that, that first part of Ephesians 3 with my hand for the rest of the message. Verse 14 says, For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named. Do you see? Do you see? He reigns, and he is right there. He, is, he reigns, I bow my knees before the, the Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth is named. He, he is right there. So, he said, so that idea of rain is captured in the, that idea of bowing, bowing his knees. And the question is, who would you bow before? Kids at home, if you think about all the different movies or cartoons or situations you might imagine, just think for a moment, who, who would you bow before? Who, what are, what, who have you seen people bowing in front of? And shout out some manzers maybe at home. Maybe have a little bit, little bit of a think about that. Who do you bow before? It tends to be someone in authority. I think that's what we would say. Maybe it's a king or a queen or some other ruler or somebody who's very important or somebody who, is some, somebody who possesses something that you really want because you're kneeling before them to plead for them to hand over or to provide you with that thing. That, that picture of bowing your knees before the Lord serves to understand the importance of leaning upon God's excellence rather than something like my experience because we recognize in ourselves that we cannot answer the questions often people have, particularly around about the, the more difficult things of life. We, we bow before the King. We bow before God because He is worthy and He is higher and He is greater and He is able and we, in some ways, when we bow our knees, acknowledge that we are not, that we are weak and we need help. And, and how helpful humility is in the life that God calls us to. We're going to see that coming in the weeks to come in this series. But do you see the humility in what Paul is describing here? Bowing is an expression of surrender. It is an act of submission. 
It is in many ways making yourself vulnerable. It's a physical picture of our willingness to acknowledge our powerlessness and to entrust ourselves to the power of the one who is sovereign over us. So when we show gospel care, by praying to God for those around us, there's something helpful about having this posture of humility that accompanies it. It's also, as we'll see in the future weeks of this series, that humility is that key component in a a healthy walk with Jesus. It's like John Stott, the famous Christian writer and preacher, once said, "In in this Christian life, pride is our greatest enemy, humility is our greatest friend. Paul understands that when it comes to caring for the souls of those who God has entrusted to him, his opinion, his experience, or his five-point life coaching plan isn't going to cut it. And I wonder how often that's how we would approach the conversations we would have. We want to care for people, but we we front-load our opinion. Here's what I think you should do. Our experience, well, here's what I did. Or our five-point life coaching plan, hey, let let me sort your life out. Rule number one is probably, well, let's sort our own lives out before we try to sort someone else's life. We have so little to offer in regards to those things. What we do have to offer most of all, though, is God's lordship and love. And so the reminder of God's rule is instrumental in removing someone from the hopelessness and sense of defeat that accompanies things in their lives that draw them back towards death, disobedience, and uh, the, 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 the third category we thought about, sin dependence, last week. That everyday fragility we feel with the things that belong to our lives before Jesus intervened. We, we get to reset people's hearts. We get to play our part in resetting people's hearts by praying in light of God's sovereignty. And, 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 and when we do that, there's something massively hope-giving about that because it reinforces with them when it, the, God's sovereignty, people's hearts being reset by God's sovereignty serves to reinforce that they are loved and they are free and they are helped and given purpose by, by God who is able to do something about that which breaks them. The, the idea that God, is, God rules and God reigns makes more certain the reality that God rescues. But it's not just reign, that's, that's definitely his reign because we, we want to reinforce that he is able to rescue. His reign tells us he is able to rescue, he is able to help us resist, he is able to do all that we need him to do in our battle against sin and temptation. But but it's not just that. There's this familial relationship that is described here. We we kneel before, we take a knee before, before a king who is also our father. He, he reigns, but he is, he is also the one, he is the one who reigns, but he is also the one who is right there. We bow before the one who rules and who also has brought us into adoptive relationship. What a privilege. What a privilege. We get to approach our Heavenly Father for wisdom and how to direct our brothers and sisters to their Heavenly Father. Your single greatest gift to those around you is to help them getting close to God the Father. And he's a good father who's ready to get us what we need to live the life he has set us apart for in his son Jesus.
So gospel care begins with directing people to God's reign over us and his relationship with us. And prayer is a key signpost to that. Because in its very activity, in the very activity of prayer, is that recognition of going to him as the king who, 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 who is able to, who rules over all that we would face, but also who loves us and hears us like children approaching their dad. And where trouble or struggle may cause us to doubt, the, doubt, doubt his power or his love, prayer reminds us that we have no need to doubt either his power or his love. It's so, so important we begin with a posture of prayer. So point number one, he, he gives us a point. He, 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 first number one, point number one in gospel caring for someone is, uh, is finding our way, encouraging and nurturing a posture of prayer. Because he invites us to call to him and he will answer us by doing his work within us. The second thing is this. The second thing, maybe just note this down. second thing for our cheat sheet is position in Christ. Our position in Christ. That's where the gospel comes in. Is to help people see that we, although we have this gospel diagnosis of, of spiritual death, this, uh, being scarred by disobedience and, and living in sin dependence, Jesus stepped into that in order to change our identity, to change our position. Our former position was we were spiritually dead, scarred by disobedience, sin-dependent. But our position has now changed. Our position has changed to becoming children of God because of God's love for us. And he has made us to, to be loved, helped, free, and given purpose. So we have this position in Christ. We talked about it last week in terms of our righteousness renovation or a mercy makeover. Just look at, and just look at how Ephesians, this prayer in Ephesians 3 goes on to describe it. My hand is back on there again. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Do you see there? So we have, we bow our knees before the Father and we, are, we see the work of the Spirit. We are strengthened with power through His Spirit and your inner being so that Christ, God the Son, may dwell in your hearts through faith. Do you see that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is working together in you and through you as you seek to gospel care for the people next to you and you're able to remind them that that work is ongoing in them when they've trusted in Jesus. Their position in Christ is really in a very simple way being described there, when we, are, when we understand our position in Christ, then that is designed to help us be strengthened in heart and to remind us that we're set apart for Him. So the Father, Son, and Spirit are working together to, first of all, strengthen us in, strengthen us in heart so that our lives would be increasingly conformed to the likeness of Jesus. We would increasingly live lives that are set apart for Him and His purposes and His glory. So, so, so when it says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you, there's something amazing here about how God himself would allow us to access anything at all that belongs to him when we consider how, how, how we were defined before in terms of death, disobedience, and dependence upon things other than him. He, he is willing to bless us. He gives us access to these things that belong and are, come from the riches of his glory. And if we didn't realize it before, and, and, and it's so helpful for, I know personally, so helpful for me to be reminded of these things to, because pride is my greatest enemy, humility is my greatest friend, that truly I am a spiritual beggar given something stratospherically bigger than I could ever deserve. 
And, and Ephesians 3 describes it in, in these terms. When you are in Christ, when you are a Christian, when you have trusted in Jesus and his death on a cross and your place for your sins, when you are in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit in you. And he is at work to strengthen you or to equip you. The, 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 the word in the original language is des- describes to brace you. So it's like you're, you brace yourself and it's like all of the world and all of the trials and all of the temptations is coming and it's like the Holy Spirit is strengthening you to brace yourself against all of those things in order that in order that you would be able to take your stand for Jesus in this world as you believe in the promises that Jesus has given you to help you to endure the world. So the Holy Spirit is at work to, to help you to brace yourself against all of those things that would come which would seek to draw you back or drag you back to how you used to live before Jesus stepped into your life. And so we, we, we are encouraged here to, to, to surrender to that bracing process, that strengthening process to entrust ourselves to it. But we have some opponents, uh, there are some opponents and, and some opposition to that which exists at the very core of who we are. I've just noted down two, two of them that just occurred to me and seem particularly relevant just now. Opponent number one to, to the strengthening work of the Spirit is my own strength. Okay, opponent number one to, to being strengthened by the Spirit is my own strength. The, the conviction, I can do this myself or I need to do this myself or I'm re- going to re- rely on my own resources or I'm going to do this my own way. Opponent number one is your own strength, trying to do it by yourself. That, that, that's not how God designed this Christian life to be lived. You're to do that in the strength that he supplies, supported by the people who would gospel care for you. And our job is to gospel care for folks. And even the danger, if we are seeking to gospel care for someone, is that we would try to do that in our own strength as well. Remember, we're back to our experience, opinion, or our five-point life coaching plan. So opponent number one, my own strength. Opponent number two, the strength of sin and temptation. It's too strong, I can't win. Too strong, I can't win. And again, we're, we're hopefully taken back. And that's why the posture of prayer thing is such an important. We, we say it's too strong, I can't win. No, we have someone who rules so is stronger than anything we would face. And someone who loves us and is compassionate and cares for us and, and, wants, us to, and wants us to be strengthened and, and wants to guard us against being overcome by all the things that would come against us. Defeat comes when we drift back towards the fragility of things that we, the things that we saw last week. Defeat comes when we drift back towards the fragility of things that we saw last week. Defeat comes when we allow ourselves to be marked by death. Hope dies. Defeat seems inevitable. Defeat comes when we allow ourselves to be defined by disobedience. Our heart fills. The strength of sin's draw seems greater than our own attempt to keep God's law. Or sin dependence. Or, uh, defeat happens when we drift back towards sin dependence. Old habits reappear. Temptation seems stronger than our resolve. John Owen, the Puritan writer, has something helpful round about this, t- pointing to how um, complicated we make things. It's going to be up on the screen for you. Mortica- mortification from a self-strength carried on by ways of self-invention and to the end of self-righteousness is the soul and substance of all false religion. What he's saying is, when you're trying to do it by yourself, when you're trying to overcome, when you're trying to brace yourself by yourself, when you're trying to win and kill sin 
from a position of self-strength carried on by ways of self-invention. Do you try and do that? You try to find new ways to define yourself, new ways to figure some stuff out and to the end of self-righteousness because you really want people to think, well, they're a good guy or they're a good gal or or, I I like them or they're doing well. Well, that's the soul and substance of all false religion. Trying to do it by yourself is what he's saying, is the soul and substance of all false, false religion. We need help. You need help. And we get to help one another. That's what gospel care is about. He goes on to say this, the Spirit alone is sufficient for this work. So if you're trying to do it by yourself, apart from God's work, by His Spirit within you, then you're on a fool's errand, you're up to a losing task. The Spirit alone is sufficient for this work. All ways and means without Him are useless. He is a great efficient. He's the only one who's going to get it done. He is the one who gives life and strength to our efforts. We need him to strengthen us to brace ourselves against all that the world would throw at us. And we get to help one another by sharing the truth of verse 16. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. As well as his reign and relationship, our glorious God has sent his spirit to change our hearts. We might feel like it's a fight we can't win, but this is telling us that God has given us what we need to wake up each morning and stand against sin and temptation. And we get to tell the people we're gospel caring for exactly that. We, we get to remind them that they, they, the same as we, choose what we surrender to every day. Is it the sin? Is it sin or is it the spirit? Gospel care serves to remind the person of the spirit's work and encourage them to surrender to it. So we're strengthened in heart but we're all, and we surrender to these things because we see that we are set apart for Jesus. God's purpose and plan for us, we've been freed from sin to be set apart, by, set apart for Jesus. So when you're, and, there's, and there's something amazing about what we see here. So the Spirit is strengthening us in, your, in our inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And so when you're in Christ, He has made his home in you. He's not just passing through. It's not just a passing phase. Jesus' interest in you is not just a passing phase. passing, Passing phase. We get to remind one another of the truth of our union with Christ. We we thought a lot about that back in John chapter six, uh, just before the summer. He, Jesus makes it so at once and the same. We are in Him, surrounded by Him, gathered in His embrace, clothed, closed in His hand, covered by His righteousness, and He is in us, transforming our hearts, conforming us to His likeness, marking us for eternity. Those two things, Christ in us and us being in Christ, they work together in an amazing way. Because we are set apart for Him, Jesus is transforming us in order that He might use us and work through us. And Ephesians itself has this great focus on us being in Christ. Ephesians 1 verse 3 says this, God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He's saying, when we're in Christ, there's nothing else that we need. Or Ephesians 1 verse 9, God has shown his will and set forth his purpose in Christ. If you, if what, if what that's telling us is, if you want to know how to live this life you've been given, take a look at Jesus. Ephesians 2.10, we, we thought this last week, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Do you want to know the purpose of your life? 
then here it is. Jesus is it. The, the, the good works that resemble or are, 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 are conformed to the likeness of Jesus. And in Ephesians 2 verse 13, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off has been brought near by the blood of Christ. We have that eternal promise that we are far off but now we're brought near. There is so much for us to find in this amazing doctrine of our union with Jesus. All the things we long for in identity and security are stored up in that reality. We have Christ in us. That he may dwell in your hearts through faith. So there's a faith component to all of this. There's a surrendering of your own way, a surrendering of your past ways. And stepping into the things that he has for you now in faith. Surrendering to him. Submitting your life to that. Now recognize that surrender and submission are not words that we really, really warm to very readily. But that's what we call to do. And there's something joyful about being able to surrender and submit to someone who loves us. Helps us. Frees us. And gives us this kind of purpose. So we have this posture of prayer. He reigns and he is right there. We have this position in Christ. We have the strength to stand. And he stays. That's really what this is telling us. Do you see the common denominator in both those things? God's, God's power and presence are his chief provision for us. They point to the gospel care content of lordship and love. The authority and affection of Jesus are our chief advantages in advancing our Christian life. So he is Lord, do as well, and he loves you. Don't doubt that for a second. So a posture of prayer our position in Christ. The third thing are, is the possession of power. The possession of power. We've already heard, seen about how we would be strengthened in our inner being by the Spirit so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. It goes on that you're being rooted and grounded in love. There's the strength of the, the mighty Christian oak who, is, who, who, build, who roots itself for the mighty Christian building that God would build in us where we are, have this strong foundation that, those things may have strength, that through those things we may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and, height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpassing, surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. We have the possession of power, but not how we might think of it. Now, I may be uniquely uh, prejudiced in regards to this, but I'm pretty sure there's some other people who are watching this just now who would say that 80s cartoons are the greatest. I'm looking around the room just now, not thinking I'm going to get too many people are going to be um, too, too excited about that. But um, growing up, the, some of you may remember the, um, the, the TV show, the, the cartoon uh, He-Man. Some people remember that. Maybe you've seen it on YouTube. Maybe, that's, maybe, uh, maybe some kids at home, you've, your, your parents have shown that on YouTube or something like that. And, and he had this, he had this um, great phrase, which was this catchphrase, which was, I have the power. Okay, that was, that was what he would shout. And, and, um, well, not that kind of power. That's not what we're talking about here in Ephesians chapter 3. Um, it's maybe more akin to what the philosopher Huey Lewis uh, used to call the power of love. It's a curious thing. Makes one man weep, makes another man sing. That's the power of love, okay? And I'm sorry, I know that's going to be stuck in your head for the rest of the day. That's a, but in some ways, that, that it's a good description of what God's love does for us. It makes one man weep because the great love of Christ shown to someone is so immense that, it, that, that they are moved in their hearts to a softness of heart, softness of heart that, that causes them to weep with thankfulness that God would show them such grace and mercy. 
on the other hand, this makes him sing because man, it's such an amazing thing that Jesus would love me like that, that he would set me free. And it moves us to, to worship. So we might weep or we might worship. And that's the, the power that, the, 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 of, of God's love in our life. We are his possession. We are, we are, we, we are given an opportunity to enter in a posture of, posture of prayer because of his love. We are his possession by the power of his love. We have been bought at a price because God loves us. The gospel tells us effectively that we are living under new own ownership. And, 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 and when we understand the love of God that's involved in that, we should be really resistant to sin, calling dibs or trying to repossess us. So we have this invitation from God to draw near to him in a posture of prayer, a reminder that he has made himself to work and dwell within us. I wonder, does any of that give you any reason whatsoever to doubt that he loves you? And, and does, doesn't all of that give you cause to let go of the things that would cause you to live like he loves you? It's that love that Paul is praying they would be rooted and grounded in. We gospel care, I gospel care for people well when I help them to root their lives, build the foundation of their lives on the love of God. That's what the gospel does. Remember how last week we saw that God meets our spiritually dead, disobedient, scarred, sin-dependent existence with the hope that we are loved, free, helped, and given purpose. God loved you enough to send his son to die on a cross for you. God loves you enough not to allow you to stay in your sin. God loves you enough to settle your eternity. And yet one of the chief causes of spiritual harm in our lives is to lose sight of the love of God. We believe spiritual lies that God is holding out on us. We develop idolatrous longings that God loves me less than these other things I'm inclined to trust in. Or we consider that our salvation can be lost. God's love has run out on me or God's love can run out on me. The love of God is designed to liberate us from those lies and allow us to live all in for Jesus. So when we remind someone, when we gospel care for someone by reminding them of the love of God to us in Jesus Christ, it's designed to liberate them to live their lives more fully for him. We gospel care for people when we open God's word with them and show them what God is seeking to build in them, the, the love structure that God is seeking to build in each one of our lives. And we'll say, well, what's this thing he's, that, that he would build? What's this work that he would do in our, this love work that he would do in our lives? What is it like? What's it like? Well, unlike anything you've ever seen before, that's what it tells us. That's what, it, that's what it's saying when it says that you would begin to get your head around, that you would may have strength to comprehend with all the saints, we gospel care for one another by that being an all the saints work, all God's people working together with one another to help one another begin to wrap their tiny minds around the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of God's love building that he is doing. To wrap, begin to even get a glimpse of understanding of what it means that God is transforming their, our lives by his love. We get to open God's word and show people this. We get to open God's word with one another with the goal of helping one another see the breadth, length, height, depth of the dwelling place of Jesus Christ that God by his spirit is seeking to make us to be because he loves us. And he knows, he knows because he reigns and he is right there for us. He knows that that is the thing that is best for you.
Paul is praying that the church in Ephesus would have strength to comprehend how amazing God's work of love in each one of them is. And we get to play a part in reminding one another of that. God's labor of love in the life of his people should leave us longing to look on in awe and wonder at what is going on in our own lives, but also what is going on in the lives of those around about us as we play a part in one another's lives in in God's great family. But we shouldn't lose sight of the fact of what it says here. It says we need to be strengthened in that. Why, Why would we need strengthened in that? We need strengthened in that because we are prone to weak spiritual eyesight. We, we, we struggle to, to see and to know. We, we struggle with the spiritual imagination to be able to grasp that these things exist out with our capacity to comprehend because they belong to God. One of the reasons I'm rejoicing so much right now about being able to have some people in the room when I'm preaching is for uh, three, four months, Ish, I was pre- I was preaching from my ex- from 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 our sitting room, with uh, on a Thursday lunchtime, having to imagine people listening on the other end of the camera on the Sunday morning, a, a few days ahead on the Sunday morning, trying to get my head around that. And I know some of you, that's a revelation you're going to struggle to come to because you only just realised it wasn't live that I wasn't preaching live on the Sunday morning. Okay, let's go over that for a moment. Okay. The difficulty of imagining that was one of the chief challenges of preaching over these last three months. And, and in some ways, that is what has been described here. That we, we, the unseen element is something we struggle to get our heads around. And, 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 and so Paul is praying that God by his spirit would strengthen them and as they are in Christ, they would um, have an increasing capacity to comprehend and to understand and that as we work together, that we would be working together with all the saints, that we would be working together as all the saints within our church family to be able to direct one another to the unseen element of what God is, would do in our lives because he loves us. We're prone to weak spiritual eyesight. We're prone to weak spiritual imagination, maybe because it seems distant, distant Maybe because God's promises, ultimate promises, seem in some way distant. Maybe because there is darkness in our lives. We often fail to be spiritually free because we struggle to spiritually see. And God wants to help us with that. And his means is us gospel caring for one another enough to help us see the work that he would do in our lives. To see, to understand the calling in our lives as followers of Jesus Christ, as those who are in Christ. We gospel care for people when we describe to them the extent of God's saving grace, mercy, and love. When we focus them on the new life that he frees us to live. And when we lift our eyes to see how utterly magnificent he is. So strengthen to see what God would build in us and to know this love of Christ. Or at least to get an increasing glimpse or grasp of it. That's what this is talking about. Last week we thought about the inexhaustible nature of God's grace and kindness towards us in, Je- towards us in Jesus. This morning we are, given, we are given cause in verse 19 to see the inca- incompatible nature of God's love for us in Christ Jesus. So inexhaustible, the inexhaustible nature of God's grace and kindness, the incomparable nature of God's love for us, all of us in Jesus. God's love is a transforming love. A love that pays the price for my sin, a love that offers me eternal peace, a love that doesn't rest with the idea of rebellion, 
a love that isn't content to leave me to the ruin of my control, a love that is a greater goal than our immediate happiness or a human measure or, or a human measure of success. It's a transforming love that he has for you. So I wonder what's the goal of your life for the goal of your love for the lives of the people around about you? What's the goal of your what is your goal for the relationships that you have? Well, the goal of God's love is that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So, does that sound like something you could get excited about? Seeing the people around about you being filled with all the fullness of God. Isn't that a program you would want to get on? If that's what God is about, then I want to be about that too. If, if God is about that in the people's lives that I'm called to care for in my, in my church family, those people that God has placed into my life, that they would be filled with all the fullness of God, then, then, then I'm in. I'm in. Gospel care shares that goal that the people around about us would be filled with all the fullness of God. So, so, so that is designed to influence and inform our prayers, the advice we give, the friendships we have, the conversations we hold, the activities we pursue. Everything ought to share that goal. If we get the extent of God's purpose for one another, then we get excited about seeing growth in the things of God in one another. What this is describing, this being filled to the fullness of God, is, is, is investing in spiritual growth, maturity, and completeness. It's that we're in, in the business, we're pouring ourselves into making one another eternity ready. Is, is that something you would give your life to? Making the people around about you, pouring yourself into making the people around about you eternity ready. Is that something you're open to having people pour into you for? That's as a church, that when we planted the church, it's our 11th birthday next Sunday. 11 years ago, when we started having services as a church, slightly different to what we're doing right now, admittedly, the goal, but the goal hasn't changed. The goal is simply this, that we would be willing to pour ourselves into making one another eternity ready because we believe that's what it means to be a church family. It's a posture of prayer, position in Christ. The power that's available to us. All of which lead us to this last one, the possibilities of grace. Possibilities are great. Then these great fridge magnet verses. You know, the, you know what I mean by fridge magnet verse. Okay, they're the verse that you know. If they're, they, 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 whoever makes Christian fridge magnets, that was the first one of the first verses they decided to use for the fridge magnet because everybody wants this on their fridge now. To him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Now to him who's able to do abundantly more than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. What, what great verse to pray for someone. But what do we mean when we pray that, really? What is it you're really asking for? What really comes down to the focus? Is it stuff or success or similar? Because if, if that's the case, then we're missing the point. That's just a form of the prosperity gospel really when we come down to it. Yeah, we're, gonna, we're, we're asking that God would do something immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine by giving you stuff or getting you that job or whatever it would be. Now, those aren't bad things for us to be praying about, but are they the main things that we're praying for? Is that the focus? 
If, if the kind of prayer that you're offering for someone is simply the, I just want them to be happy type of prayer, but that happiness exists apart from or in something or through the provision of something other than God, then we're missing the point. This is the verse that says, don't settle. It's a verse that says, God has something bigger in mind, and that's what we mean by the possibilities of grace. Paul isn't praying about what God would do for them. He is praying for what God would do in them. Paul isn't praying about what God would do for them. He is praying for what God would do in them. Actually, better He's praying with a clear understanding that the, 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 the greatest thing that God can do for any one of us is what he would do in any of us. The greatest thing that God can do for you is what he would do in you. When we elevate God doing for us over God doing in us or through us, then we usually have fallen into the trap of seeing the gospel as a means of prosperity and fallen, in, fallen into the enticement of seeing worth in something above Jesus. Is that God can transform you and work through you in ways that will blow your mind if you are willing to surrender to him. That's what gospel care encourages us to call one another to. It's our chief goal, our greatest desire must be one another's lives being lived increasingly fully for God. So look around your living room, flick through your phone contacts, consider the people in your small group, or as Lee's mentioned this morning, consider joining a small group and coming along to, going, attending that, uh, that, that introduction to small groups meeting. Consider those things, flick through those things, think about the people in your life. God's design is to do a work in them that is abundantly greater than you would even think to ask or that would even enter into your calculations. That's what we mean by the possibilities of grace. When we are stood there bracing ourselves, when the person is stood there bracing themselves, whether it's you or them, whenever that, you're bracing yourself against the world and sin and temptation and trials and hardship, and you feel as if you're enduring and you're, you're crying out to the Spirit to help you to, to stand and to be strengthened in that moment, is that God, and, and you're, you're thinking, this is, feels really bleak, I'm not sure what can happen. At that moment, when you're at your weakest and you're crying out to God in that, then the possibilities of grace are, are they're, they're, they're most immense. God has something to do, something he longs to do in your life that requires you to cry out to him because you recognize, I can't do this by myself any longer. I can't do this in my own strength. We get to cause gospel care for people by pointing them to the possibilities of God's grace, to point them to the possibilities of what happens when weak people cry out to God for the work that he already desires and designs to do in them. So how would it look for you and I to pray and pour into one another around, the, around about the possibilities of grace that this verse opens up for us? Supposing rather than stuff or success or similar and missing the point around about those things. Supposing we pray about transformation of heart, character growth, serving capacity, holiness development, Christ-likeness, fruit of the Spirit, those kind of things. Confidence in the gospel. Longing to tell people about Jesus. Those kind of things. It's not the bigger house or the more important job or the improved circumstances. It's something so much better. 
what we get to invest in. <clears throat> and those are the terms we ought to engage with one another on. These are the things, these are the things of eternal weight and glory. To God be the glory. This, these are, this, is, this sums it up. This is, is this what we're giving our lives to? Is this what our, the focus of our relationships is? Is this our chief prayer for the people that God has put into our lives? Is, is this uh, uh, the, what we, are, we desire to see most of all in our interactions with the people round about us as we, as we love one another and care for one another? To Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. That's what we get to invest in, the glory of Jesus Christ through all generations in the church, forever and ever. That's what, the church, what, what makes the church such a unique and amazing thing. All generations existing together to glorify Jesus. That's the kind of church we want to be. That's what, the kind of church that gospel people make up. That's the ultimate thing our lives together get to be about. The glory of Jesus Christ in the church across all generations comes from each one of us making gospel care our goal. Will you make it yours? Let me pray. Father, we are so thankful to you for what we've been able to sing. Thankful for Grace's testimony earlier on about your sustaining power in her life. Thankful for um, what David and Christine shared about, about prayer and the, the joy of being in that posture of prayer, even as we've thought about that this morning. Father, we long to be growing in our capacity to be able to speak the gospel into one another's lives, that the gospel would be the thing that would be tripping off of our lives as we, and off of our lips as we spend time with one another. Father, we, as we've thought about gospel care this morning, help us, to people who, help us to be people who make the gospel central to the care that we offer round about us. Help us to be, to be people who are looking for opportunities to make Jesus big in the lives of those we come into contact with. And that that would be the focus of our conversations and that would be the focus of um, our, our relationships. So Father, we, we, we long for your help in these things. Uh, we, we really identify, I know I personally really identify often to being standing and the, it feels as if the weight of the world is coming against us. But Father, we thank you that we can cry out to you for help, the one who reigns and who is right there for us. And um, So help us, we pray in these things in Jesus' name. Amen.